Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. Today we are studying in the book of Acts, chapter 18. Here's Pastor Ryan. And so after these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. Right here, right away, Paul is on the move again. After these things, who knows what the the things were that Luke is talking about, perhaps after him preaching in Athens or whatever. We don't know necessarily the time frame. But Paul the Apostle leaves Athens and he goes to Corinth, which is about 50 miles in distance. And Athens and Corinth are two very different cities guys Corinth was a major city of commerce there's a lot of ships going through there a couple of big seaports there it was a place of commerce and it was the headquarters of the Roman Empire for the province of Achaia Achaia is Greece just think of Achaia as Greece and of course the world was Roman at that time the Roman Empire ruled so of all of Greece Macedonia all of that that we've been studying all that's in the New Testament all the epistles and stuff all these towns Corinth was the main headquarters for the Roman Empire so it's the city of power if you will there Athens was known as you know for its culture for its for its learning where Corinth was known for its immorality. Corinth was notorious, guys, for immorality. What kind of immorality? All kinds. But sexual immorality, mostly. It was a center of the worship of Aphrodite, and she was the goddess of love, of beauty, pleasure, and fertility. Basically, it was a religion that allowed you or promoted living a life of sexual pleasure the cult worship of aphrodite was uh, sensuous the men would have relations with the temple prostitutes we get an insight into paul's psyche as he goes into corinth and the interesting thing in first corinthians chapter two but if you think about the world at that time it was immoral amen it was immoral. Like, you don't have to be a historian to know that within the Roman Empire, there was immorality. But like at the top of that, Corinth was another level. So he's going into the Las Vegas, makes Las Vegas look like Disneyland. But it was like that at, in the ancient world. That's where Paul's going to. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3, Paul would write to the Corinthian church, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So Paul the Apostle admitted to the church that when he came to them, it was in weakness. When he came to them, it was in fear. When he came to, to them, he was in much trembling. Oh, but doesn't God say that, uh, doesn't the word say that he has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind? Absolutely. But the Christian walk is about growing and learning how to overcome fears. 
how to overcome trembling, how to overcome weaknesses. He would write, right, in, in our weaknesses, his strength is perfected. These are attributes that we have within us because of the Holy Spirit in us, but we, they, in, in order for them to come out, we have to spend time with the Lord and actually go through times of weakness, actually go through times of, of fear and, and trembling so that we can depend on the Lord. And so we read in this very chapter that we're studying that the Lord himself would comfort Paul and tell him, Paul, don't be afraid. Keep speaking. Do not keep silent. So Paul would be told by God, don't be afraid. Don't keep silent. Keep talking. Keep talking what? The gospel, the morals of God. Keep preaching them. Don't be afraid. Paul was apprehensive. Paul was fearful. And you can imagine having the responsibility of being the sole Christian going into the most immoral town, city, not town, city, to preach Jesus Christ. Are you down? Will you do that? You're the only one. Go to Vegas, walk into the synagogue, preach Jesus, preach to the Gentiles in the street that they need to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Would you do that? Would I do that? Paul was called to do that. And I believe God is still saying to us, don't be afraid, but speak. Keep speaking. God's truth to people. Do not be afraid to preach to immoral people the truths of God's power, God's love, God's morals. We'll never experience the strength of God unless we do so. Don't fear standing up for righteousness before your family, your friends, or others. In Romans 1.16, Paul would write, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, and also for the Greek. As Christians, are we ashamed of the gospel? Now, the gospel message is about the cross and Jesus dying for our sins, and on the third day, being raised from the dead and is at the right hand of the Father. But the cross speaks of our sins nailed to him. But Jesus said, in order for our sins to be nailed on the cross, we have to repent. When we study Jesus Christ in Nazareth, his very first messages were, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So they tried to throw him off a cliff in Nazareth. His hometown tried to throw Jesus off of a cliff because he told them to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And here, the Lord's telling Paul, keep speaking. Don't be afraid. Keep talking. They need to hear it. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians, please, chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. This is just a little snack, a little taste of the things that Paul would say to the believers in Corinth, to the people in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, he said, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. 
And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any foods for the stomach and the stomach for foods, but God will destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you know that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Keep, keep in mind the temple prostitutes in Corinth at the, Af at the temple of Aphrodite. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your sight, which are God's. That's the kind of stuff he comes up with. The Lord through Paul would preach to Corinth. I mean, that, those are biblical morals. Those are not Paul's, they didn't come from Paul's morals. They didn't come from my morals or your morals. That's the Holy Spirit God, that's Jesus Christ and the Father speaking through Paul. This is what they need in Corinth. It's such an immoral place. Show them how to live righteously. And to live righteously is to avoid sexual immorality and all these other things that he listed here. There's other things, but he listed these things. And so you can imagine Paul's apprehension that, man, they're going to kill me in this city. And that's why Paul, God said, don't be afraid. Keep speaking. Don't be afraid. God even tells them, don't worry, Paul. I got a lot of people with me in Corinth. How about that? Like Paul needed to hear there's others who got your back who believe what you're saying. That's what Paul needed. Because you hear this? Are these things relevant today? Should we keep speaking or should we be afraid? I was reading this morning in my devotion out of uh, Luke chapter 14. Can you turn there with me? Let me show you something in Luke. In Luke chapter 14, beginning in verse 25. Now great multitudes went with him. And he turned and said to them, First of all, do you recognize great multitudes went with Jesus, right? Picture, picture the scene. Great multitudes, a gang of people are following the Lord. Right? We can picture that, right? Just picture Galilee. Picture tons of people following Jesus. And he turns to them and says this. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. 
For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else while the other is still a great way off he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace so likewise whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple salt is good but if the salt has lost its flavor how shall it be seasoned if it is neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill but men throw it out he who has ears to hear let him hear what is jesus trying to thin out the church there's multitudes. Just tell them they can live however they want and the church will stay full. No. We want the church to be purged by the Holy Spirit. We want people to learn the truth about things. And God is in the business of changing people. So I gave them my life in 99. And by God's grace, I didn't live perfectly, obviously. But I lived a single status life for four years until I met her. Amen. And you got to understand how big of a miracle that is. All I, do, I, I never wanted to be alone. And then I was alone. So what did I do with my lonely feelings? Listen to oldies and get drunk like I used to? I couldn't do that anymore. So now I had to learn to calm myself in the Lord. To pray. To tell him I'm lonely. I feel terrible. Help me. Bring me a wife, please. And the answer to my prayer was not yet. And it took four years. High school's four years. Maybe I owed them four years for all of my... Uh, to be honest with you, I think I did. I felt like Jacob, who had to work seven years for his wife. But I learned, I knew it was wrong. Paul would preach to the Corinthians that indeed it is wrong teach the church that it's wrong jesus said if you want to come after him we have to hate not that he wants us to hate our family but when it comes to obedience to god he had he he wins over family if he doesn't win then family is god right you feel me so i changed for myself which if you become a christian you change for yourself but make sure that your atmosphere is holy, is pure. Jesus hung out and ate with sinners, right? But did they sin while they were with him? No, the sinners were open to what he wanted us to hear. Moms, dads, grandparents, our home belongs to God. He gave that to us. It's our responsibility that if you come into this house, you watch your language. If you come into this house... You're going to live pure. If you're going to stay under this roof, there ain't no plain house, youngsters. There isn't plain house, no footsies, no holding hands. You want to do that? Go get married. Yeah, well, I don't have the money to go get married. Well, you ain't going to live here. Separate. Don't awaken love until the time. It says at various times in the Bible, do not awaken love. Yeah, but in the world, they, they hook up. We go. Yeah, in Monte, we were... 
We were conditioned. We went to dances in the 7th and 8th grade. We went to dances in elementary school before that. Where they bumped the Beastie Boys and I'm wearing elementary against the wall saying, you know, who's going to make the first move? What are they doing? They're conditioning us for the club. Parents should have said, what, what are you doing? The Bible says don't awaken love. They should be playing hopscotch and dodgeball. What are you doing? But this is the world. Oh, but why should I tell them? Because back in the day, you know, I was hooking up when I was young. You've, you're a new creation. You've been washed from the old life. Who cares how bad you were? You want them to be bad or did God save you so that you can warn them to not make the same mistakes? Paul, don't be afraid. Keep speaking. I have many people in that city. That's what they need. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Achilla, born in Pontus. Pontus was near the Black Sea, Northeast Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, south of Russia. Pontus, that's where Achilla came from. Who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. So Claudius Caesar, he reigned from 41 to 54 BC, and he kicked all the Jews out of Italy. Can you imagine that? Anti-Semitism has been around, guys, forever. What is the world's beef with the Jews? Could it be that the Messiah would come from their line? Could it be that 144 of virgin Jewish men will be preaching during the Great Tribulation? Could it be that Israel one day will have their eyes open, the Bible tells us? Could it tell us that he will bring his people back to their land, which he did? I mean, guys, anti-Semitism, when you read about the Holocaust, when you, all of those, there's a reason why the devil hates the Jewish people. And Jesus would say to the Gentile church, hey, don't be haters. Don't be saying there's no more promises for Israel. Read the book of Romans and it'll tell you all about that. But Claudius Caesar, he, he, made, he expelled all the Jews out of Italy. Paul would meet Achilla and Priscilla. And it says here, he came to them. So because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked. For by occasion, they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. And so Paul hooked up with them. We're not sure that he hooked up with them because they were believers. It doesn't say they were believers. They were Jewish. But it's interesting how it was their, their, uh, their work. The, they were tent makers. All of them. Paul was and so were they by trade. So in his work, God used that as a divine appointment to hook them up together and they would become solid pillars in the church it's interesting how the lord will use our occupations to minister to us and to others god uses our occupation for his kingdom if we'll see it paul here was working and it's good for a minister to work is it not there are a lot of ministers and the word minister means servant it comes from the term of the slaves in the ship that would roll, you know, those big barges, the Roman Empire and all the other empires of that time. The slaves underneath, you see it in Ben-Hur. Remember, he was chained. That's what a minister is. A lot of ministers have forgot that. They think that they can just live large and not be servants. 
But I learned from Pastor Chuck, you know, that, you know, we're still picking up trash. We're, we'll still pick up a broom. We'll still clean a restroom. That's the heart of a true minister, to be a servant, to work if need be. Jesus would say to the church, or, or just say in general, that the laborer is worthy of his wages. So if the church can take care of their pastor, physical needs, that's a good thing. But if a church cannot, if it, the finances aren't there, if it, the church is small, then uh, the pastor should work. But the Bible does say a lot about work, doesn't it? Is it just a pastor? It's good to see a pastor work if he has to. That's good. But men should work. Men should work if it's the age of work. Men should work. Women, you don't want to marry a guy who does not have a job. I mean, this is all practical Christianity, which a guy who grew up fatherless had no idea. So we're, I'm trying to just give truth, right? This is what Paul would say concerning uh, working. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 7 through 11, you can write it down and check it out later. He would say, for you yourselves know how you ought to follow us. For we were not disorderly among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but worked with labor and toil night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you, not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busy bodies." Bible says if a man refuses to work let him not eat now there's grace periods when you're in between jobs you're looking for work but I say this if a man's not working shouldn't he be pounding the pavement looking for me yeah, my job is to look for work that's my job while I'm not working if you have grown kids in your house and they're not pounding the pavement mom's dad show them the door I want you know eight hours you'd be working at work spend eight hours looking for a for a job you'll find it eight hours a day not just half an hour. Oh, that suffices, mijo, mija. Doesn't suffice. Keep looking. Proverbs 13, 4 says, The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. Paul worked. And what's interesting is he was a tent maker by trade. They say that uh, he, he worked with, uh, with goat skins, and perhaps the tents were made out of goat skins. I don't know. But he made tents. Tents are temporary dwelling places for people, right? Nobody, I don't think anybody in here lives in a tent. No? I don't think anybody, because tents are, you know, temporary. Oh, how I, I feel the Lord uses our occupation so supernaturally, naturally. He would, Paul would use the term tents to describe these temporary bodies. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, he says, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Can you picture Paul making all these tents, day in, day out, making these tents? And then the Holy Spirit would use that to say, Now teach them that when someone dies, what they're doing is they're giving up this tent, this temporary body, it's temporary, made for earth, not made for heaven. And they get a better body made from the Lord, given by God, so that they can enter a new climate called heaven. Which is what our loved ones, who know the Lord, is what happens to them. They get further clothed, a mansion. If it were not so, Jesus said, I would tell you so. 
But it is so. So he went to prepare a place for us. And if he went to prepare a place for us, then he's going to come back for us. And our loved ones that have died in the faith receive that new body, are with the Lord. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Oh, but tense. I'm in Caltrans. How can that help me in the ministry? Submit to your boss, mijo. Let me see how you submit to, to her. There's so much we learn from our jobs. We learn submission, don't we? Which the Bible says we're to submit to one another. Your kids submit to you? If they don't, show them the door. I submit to my kids. When I'm, when I'm in the run, the kids, they're big enough to start checking me. And uh, it, goes, it goes both ways. We have to listen to them. But it says here that Paul reasoned with them, as, is, as was his normal thing. He went to, Paul reasoned in the Sabbath, every Sabbath, and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. He reasoned with them. That's what he did. You know, the term reason means that which is thought or, or which is alleged in words as the ground or cause of opinion, conclusion, or determination. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 10 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicolette Street in Banning. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and just hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. Chapman, above.